This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 295. What could you imagine the possibilities to be? Maybe invite the client to the end result. If you engaged in the change that you're thinking of, what do you think would be different in six months? What changes would you experience over this next week? Get them to imagine the future. Scaling is a great way to evoke new awareness as well in understanding where they are right now, either in confidence towards the change. So 10 was confident in the way that you wanted to be and zero was the opposite of that. Where are you right now in a scale of confidence? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you here. Have a bright, sunny, and hot day here in Texas. And actually, I'm hearing the lawn work happening in the area around me. So hopefully you won't hear that, but that's just part of summer. It's just part of the grass growing and the shrubs needing to be clipped. So uh, hang in there with me. Once again, thanks for being here. And today's show, we're going to be doing a dive into how we partner with our clients to help them move past ambivalence. We're going to talk about what about that is so important, how that is human nature to kind of battle with ambivalence, and what we as a coach partner can do in that space. So when I am deciding what topic I want to bring forward in one of my solo shows, I sort of look in a couple different directions. First of all, I'm always listening for the topics that come up in my work, being a coach instructor, with the many mentees that I have and coaches that I work with to bring their work into the world, and what topics are coming up with my executive clients that could be really helpful to focus on in the show as well. I also think about creating shows in each of the three pillars of the Star Coach Show. So really focusing in on skill development, on what we need to do to create businesses that flourish so that we can flourish as coaches. And then once again, as an executive coach, what can my coaching clients, executive clients learn from the show as well? What leadership principles, what about coaching as a leadership style can be helpful to them? So really, those are the three pillars of the show. And I want to be sure that I have something sprinkled in with each of those. And certainly the guest shows that I have, I want to be sure that they're covering all those bases as well. And then finally, when I'm thinking about what to talk to you about one-on-one, just me and you, I'm thinking about the concepts and perspectives that would be valuable to you and maybe challenge your thinking about how you are showing up, about what you could do differently. And this is certainly the case for coaches, certainly the case for leaders. And if you're even listening to the show right now thinking, what is coaching? And is that something I want to learn more about? 
I certainly hope that each and every one of these shows will help deepen your understanding of coaching. If you have yet to meet me, I'm Meg Rentschler. Not only do I host the Star Coach Show, I am also an instructor in two coaching schools and have had the honor and privilege of both mentoring and teaching over a thousand coaches over the past 13, 14 years. And I do that because, as I mentioned, I'm so passionate about what coaching can do to change the way we interact with one another in the world, help us be more curious, deepen our listening, really be present with other people. So today's show is skill-based, and I'm kind of warning you in advance. I'm putting my instructor hat on, I think maybe even more than I meant to today, but I just get really passionate about this stuff. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to share, I thought, okay, this is a bit like a skills course today, and take what you can from this and Please let me know what really resonates with you, what's helpful, what I can do differently when I'm sharing some skills in the future that can make them land even better on you. Today's show is all about how we engage with a client who is struggling with change. That might be a client, it might be if you are a leader, how you engage with an employee who's struggling with making needed change or a coworker. And it comes to the place of ambivalent. We're going to really talk about how to engage with someone who is ambivalent about change. You know, ambivalence can be kind of described as when we're in a state of having conflicting reactions. They might be our feelings, it might be beliefs, it might be a behavioral reaction towards something that we're feeling at the same time that push and pull, the positive and negative reactions to a potential change. Now, you might hear this through statements like, I want to, but, or maybe I really have mixed feelings about this. When we are engaging in a conversation with someone who's ambivalent, A key element of the coaching process is helping that person tap into their own motivation without pushing or pulling or telling or manipulating them into change. So what I wanted to talk about today is a framework called motivational interviewing. It comes from the work of William Miller and Stephen Rolnick. And the thing about motivational interviewing is that it is very client-centered. It is about building intrinsic motivation, pulling the motivation from within the person. It's also so strong in honoring client autonomy, honoring the autonomy and the decision-making power of the person that we're talking to and allowing them self-determined change. Now, when we're able to engage in a motivational interviewing conversation, What we're doing is helping that person strengthen their commitment to change while supporting and challenging them appropriately through the conversation. And that's really what the coaching process is, right? We want to both support and challenge to help create the relationship and a movement forward in whatever way that looks. Now, one of the things that I hear sometimes from my coaching students is so many of the frameworks that we use in coaching are actually 
based from some kind of a, a psychotherapy model. And motivational interviewing is certainly that as well. Motivational interviewing was initially created uh, to work with patients who have issue with alcohol and then moved into all addictive behaviors. And so I want to emphasize here that while we use frameworks from the field of psychotherapy, such as solution-focused therapy has, you know, solution-focused coaching, we might use motivational interviewing, we might use cognitive coaching coming from the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy. These frameworks are empirically based. They've been out there a while. We've had the opportunity to see how this kind of intervention works with people. It's not about coaches becoming therapists. It's about using the framework that we know is available, the way that we can engage with a client to help them strengthen commitment, strengthen change, potentially evoke new awareness. And it is my sincere desire and hope that you understand clearly that it's the topics that we deal with in coaching that are very different than the topics that are many times dealt with in therapy. So just because we're talking about motivational interviewing and using that in a coaching conversation does not mean that, oh, now you, you know, should feel comfortable treating addictive disorders if you don't have the appropriate background and training to do that. So the frameworks can be very helpful in our conversations. We just want to be responsible in the way that we are engaging and using those. And today's conversation is really going to be a snippet into the concept of motivational interviewing. Now, I get, and I was even struggling with, you know, bringing this forward in today's podcast because really, I mean, this is hours of learning and hours of deep dive to get really good at motivational interviewing. Just the course that I teach is uh, a solid six hours, and it could certainly even be longer than that. But in this one podcast, I thought, you know what? I could certainly highlight some aspects of coaching around ambivalence, give you food for thought. If this topic excites you or, you know, makes you think, oh, I want to know more about that, there is certainly more information that you can get around motivational interviewing in continuing education, in a plethora of books on the subject. I strongly recommend the books by William Miller and Stephen Rolnick on the topic of motivational interviewing. There are YouTube interviews where you can see motivational interviewing in action. There's a lot of additional information out there. So we're going to just kind of touch the surface, give you some ideas, and I definitely want you to be able to walk away with some specific things that you can put in your toolbox to use with your clients and in other conversations that you might have when you're talking with somebody who is struggling with ambivalence, that push and pull towards a change. The reality of change is that ambivalence is part of that. Part of human nature is I want to, but. So what we're going to focus in on today through the rest of our time is first of all, how to increase your awareness of change talk, what change talk is, what that sounds like, and what's important about it. And then using the key element of motivational interviewing, which is an acronym called ORS, O 
ORS, what that is, and how you can use ORS to strengthen your coaching conversations. So if we think about change, I'm going to make the assumption that most people that come into coaching are wanting to do some kind of change in their life. If they were perfectly happy with the way that things were or didn't want to stretch beyond where things are, they might not engage in coaching. So coaching being the process of facilitating a process of self-directed, self-determined change for our clients, change is part of that equation. And I actually realized that I had process in there twice. But it it is all about sort of facilitating self-directed, self-determined change. Now, the International Coaching Federation defines coaching as partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. And the results can be life-changing. Once again, that concept of change And as human beings, our relationship with change can get just a little bit wonky sometimes because it impacts our equilibrium. When I was a therapist, when I would work with a family system around change, and maybe one member of the family was in an inpatient treatment program, and then we were doing family therapy to kind of help everyone kind of find their new footing in a situation like that. And I would say that when one person in the family changes, it really creates change for everyone. It's like a mobile that hangs over a baby's bed. If you take one of the pieces of the mobile off or you move its position, the whole thing goes wonky for a while until it finds its equilibrium again. Even when a change is a, quote, positive change or a change that we want, it still creates that mobile to shift and to change until it finds its new equilibrium. So that's just a part of change that we need to be aware of as coaches that when our clients are working toward change, they're going to have an impact on their equilibrium. So as a coach partner, Understanding that ambivalence and resistance are just natural parts of change. We want to normalize it both for ourselves as a coach, like be aware of that so that we don't get all weird and wrapped around it, and normalize it for our clients. Yeah, I get it. Even when we want to make a change, it can be a little scary sometimes, or we might feel that push and pull towards that change. When we can normalize it for our clients, it and take away some of that weight of what's wrong with me? What's happening with me? We want to normalize it. Change can be threatening. If I want this, what might I have to give up to get there? What might I need to change in my life? How will my life be impacted? Just being aware that there can be a deep dive of a threatening nature to change is something that can give us food for thought as coaches, and give us some things to explore with our clients. Making a change can be really isolating. I talked about when I was a therapist and, you know, when one family member made changes, it would impact all the family members. Well, sometimes that's not appreciated or liked, so that can be isolating. Um, And that's why having a coach can be so helpful. When our clients are attempting to make changes, having a partner in that process can be super helpful. 
And remember that each and every one of our clients is an individual. So they're going to have their own tolerance for change. We need to meet our clients where they are, get curious about what's happening for them at that place, and then invite them into moving forward. As humans, we also have habits. Our habits might work for us or against us. We talked about this in last week's episode. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Dr. John Finn, you might want to do that in the whole concept of habits and how habits either can help us move forward or can actually throw up some blocks for us. So being aware, how are our clients' habits engaging or resisting this change? A lot of the work that we want to do as a coach is to open our mind to what's happening through the client's perspective so that we can best ask the kinds of questions that evoke new awareness for them. As coaches, we want to listen for change talk. A core element of motivational interviewing is that we as the helping professional do not push for change. We actually listen for the client's own indicators of their desire to change. We might elicit that through our questions, evoke some exploration of that with our questions, So we want to be looking through a lens of curiosity rather than knowing. And it's in the language that we use, the questions that we ask, the reflections that we hold up for the client to hear again. Those are the key tools that we use in motivational interviewing to meet the client where they are and get them to dive deeper into what's happening for them. So I said, that a key thing we need to listen for is change talk. Some of you might be aware of what change talk is. Let's dive into the four categories of change talk so that you can become aware of when you hear it. So often, if we're not aware of something, we can step right over it, right? So if you walk away with one thing from today's episode, my hope is that you walk away with increased understanding of what change talk sounds like so that your red flag can go up and you can think, ah, change talk. That's the thing I'm supposed to get curious about because that is what will help my client tap into their own motivation. So there's four categories of change talk. One is when a client recognizes the disadvantages of status quo. In other words, they're recognizing that maybe the way that things have always gone doesn't work for them as well as it used to. You might hear things like, you know, I think I've gone as far as I can in this job. This is really not where I want to be anymore. That's a disadvantage of status quo. When we're hearing the client talk about how things just aren't working anymore as well, or maybe they're getting itchy feet, like wanting to do something different. Disadvantages of status quo. The second aspect of change talk is recognizing advantages of change. So when a client begins talking about how things would be better if I made this change or if I did things differently, this would happen. So maybe a statement like, gosh, when I trust but verify with my employees, I'm really able to get out of the weeds and lead them more effectively. Oh, there's an advantage to maybe some of the work that you've been doing together to help them delegate more. And they're seeing that and you're hearing that and you can build upon those advantages of change. So 
hear advantages of change, hear disadvantages of status quo. When you hear those things and you get curious about them, it amplifies them for the client. The third category of change talk is expressing optimism about change. When a client is talking about, you know what, I really think I can do this, or I'm feeling really good about my possibilities in this area. Maybe they say to you, you know what, I was able to do something very similar to this before, and I think that's going to help me achieve this time. That is expressing optimism about their ability to engage with something. That is nothing to ignore. We want to dive into that, learn more about that, elicit more conversation about that. And then the fourth category of change talk is when a client expresses an intention to change. Maybe they say, you know what, I've made a plan to do this. Or next Tuesday, I have put time aside in my calendar to take care of X, Y, and Z. They're expressing an intention to change. All of these elements, recognizing the disadvantages of status quo, two, recognizing the advantages of change, three, hearing an expressed optimism about change, four, when a client expresses an intention to change. Those four elements of change talk are gold. That means that it's coming intrinsically from within the client And what do we as the coach partner want to do? Well, this is where the ORS acronym comes in. Now, if you are a student in my class, we also use EARS. And so ORS, the first, the O in ORS is for open-ended questions. In my class, we use E as elicit and evoke using open-ended questions. So Either way, it's really the same thing. It's just kind of using a different acronym, using big ears or using our ORs. We want to use open-ended questions. We'll talk a little bit in just a minute about some key techniques to be able to evoke through using open-ended questions. The A in ORs is for affirmation. The R is for reflection. And the S is for summary. Now, We could literally have a podcast over each one of these four elements of the ORS. We're just, like I said, doing a top look down today, giving you a few tools to bring forward. And definitely, if you want to hear more about any of these elements, let me know and I can do an additional show moving forward. But right now, let's move into the whole concept of open-ended questions to elicit and evoke awareness. The value of using open-ended questions is that it encourages the client to talk more about the change that they're offering, that we are engaged in discussing. Open-ended questions get the client to explore more fully about what that experience is like for them or what their thoughts are about that. The other thing about open-ended questions is that they can be really empowering. It's like, I totally get that you've got this client that if I ask you, you know, as you're thinking about this, what kinds of things are important to you, that the client is going to be able to create the answers to that. They're going to be able to reach within and pull out important answers to that versus, do you think that this is what you're doing or could you do that? 
Those are saying, I feel like I need to give you the answer or direct you to the answer. It's very empowering to use our open-ended communication, to use those empowering presuppositions like as you explore, when you think about, to set on the client's brain, oh, I've got this and I've got the answer within. The other thing that open-ended questions do is they open up the aperture that the client is looking through. The client tends to look through things a certain way when they come into session. The more questions you ask, the more you engage in eliciting information and evoking new awareness with the client through your open-ended questions, the more that their minds open up to possibility. And how fabulous is that? So some of the methods that you might use when you're evoking awareness through the open-ended questions that you're using are doing things like using those positive presuppositions that I just talked about, you know, as you consider, when you think about, if you were to imagine, all those kinds of questions that just land on the mind in an open invitation to open up. Being able to use those what and how questions versus have you, can you, do you, all of those, you know, really direct the client to what you want them to see versus trusting that you can bring far more, harvest more from the client by using those what and how questions. When we are evoking from the client, we're really inviting them into new exploration. So use those what and how questions to get them to imagine new possibilities. You know, I often say like, what could you imagine the possibilities to be? Maybe invite the client to the end result. If you engaged in the change that you're thinking of, what do you think would be different in six months? What changes would you experience over this next week? Get them to imagine the future. Scaling is a great way to evoke new awareness as well in understanding where they are right now, either in confidence towards the change. So 10 was confident in the way that you wanted to be and zero was the opposite of that. Where are you right now in a scale of confidence? Oh, you're already at a six. What is it that's creating the confidence to a level of six? And what could you add to that or do more of that might bring you to a seven in the way of confidence? Or it might be around where, what they, maybe it's not around confidence, maybe it's around commitment. You can also use the scale around, you can use a scale to help a client move sort of abstract thinking into more concrete thinking to help them think incrementally in how they can move forward in their desire to engage with change. There are so many more evoking methods that I could use. I just want to give you a few to think about and to get you to explore and begin to think about how using those open-ended questions can really evoke more discussion around change and imagine the client, I have the client imagine themselves within that change. Now the A in ORS is affirmation. So affirmation really helps the person feel heard. It's not about condoning or approving of what they're saying as much as recognizing. 
So rather than, wow, I think that's your best idea yet, or that's a great idea, maybe you say something like, wow, you really light up when you talk about that. Or it's been really great to explore this with you and hear your excitement about this. Or, you know, I hear how important this is to you. Affirmation is not about being a cheerleader as much as, you know, A, affirming that you're hearing correctly, and B, being that partner with your client to help them move to the place that they want to go next. Now, the R in ORS is reflection. And I got to tell you that very truthfully, reflective listening, boy, that is something we could do a major deep dive into. And when somebody is ambivalent about change, reflection is such a powerful tool. Because when we hear our own thoughts back, not in a way that we parrot back exactly what we just heard the client say, but the essence of what they're sharing. You know, wow, it really sounds like you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place. Or I hear how important this is to you and how torn you are about the direction to take. It's about holding up maybe the essence of what the client is saying. The tone of our voice is not in telling, it's in checking in. So what we want to do with reflective listening is, in a way, paraphrase, hold back up our understanding of what the client's saying. And as I said, our tone of voice is so important because we want the client to be able to say, well, not that exactly, more like this, or yes, you've got it exactly. So we always want the client to be able to push back if in fact our reflection isn't spot on. But I will tell you that even if your reflection isn't spot on, It still helps the client go deeper and understand more because when they're clarifying with you what they really meant, it's helping them get that much clearer themselves. And that's a key thing about reflection. Reflection is having the client hear their own words again, their own meaning or their own message again, and either verifying or correcting. It is absolutely so powerful when somebody is struggling with the different, the push and pull of ambivalence, the I want to, but. Uh, There's lots of different kinds of reflections. Like I said, we could spend days talking about different kinds of reflection, whether it's simple or complex or double-sided or amplified. But the key thing I just want you to know right now is that when we hold up the mirror and reflect back What we understand the client is saying for verification, what it really does is it allows the client to hear their message more than once. It lands on their ear a different way when they hear it back again, and it helps them go deeper in understanding. Another key thing about reflective statements is that we want to selectively reflect back change talk statements. So when a client can rehear their dissatisfaction with status quo, the advantages of change, the, an intention to change, or a belief in their ability to change, when we can reflect back maybe a number of change talk statements, but really want to selectively reflect back, much like what I'll share with my students sometimes is, you know, if you've got a client who's talking about 
some struggle that they're having. And they're also talking about their excitement to move forward, their willingness to move forward. We want to reflect back that willingness and excitement more than we want to focus on the struggle or the the potential, you know, if if you've got somebody who says, you know, I'm really, I'm really not sure about what my next steps are going to be. I'm a little anxious about that. But you know, even as I talk to you about it, I'm getting really excited about the possibility. And as I think about it, there's this step I might take and that step I might take. And, you know, here's something else I might do. Okay, so what I just heard as a coach is some maybe hesitancy or struggle at the beginning. But even as they're talking to me, they're beginning to talk about possibility of change and the different things that they might explore. Well, they've already sort of worked through some of the ambivalence or resistance that they had, even as they were talking to you. So highlight and explore what are those possibilities? What are you considering? What's opening up for you there? You might touch back on and how is that impacting the resistance that you were feeling? But first, let's selectively reflect back the energy and the possibility that they were expressing through the different things that they might do. All right. Speaking of summary, summary is the last piece of ORS. So ORS, the O is open-ended question, A, affirmation, R, reflection, S, summary. When we use summary in a conversation, first of all, let's invite the client to summarize their key learnings, the things that are really resonating with them. Listen for change talk and commitment as they summarize. You can also summarize highlighting those reasons for change or highlighting the advantages of change, highlighting all the things that the client has told you that they feel confident about as they think through their past experiences that they've had success with and how they can apply those to this situation. You want to be able to use summary to emphasize the commitment to change. And all of these things, when we invite the client to summarize their learning and their forward movement, when you can summarize and highlight the reasons that the client is giving you for change or their commitment to change, what that ultimately does is it reduces ambivalence and it increases motivation and commitment to change. You also might bring in themes from other sessions as you've been working with a client over a period of time, you in your summary can certainly summarize. I know that this is something that you've been working on for a while. We've talked about this regarding X, Y, and Z. And now I hear it coming up again in today's session. And I hear your commitment is even that much stronger through the work that you've done. So you can bring in themes. That's part of what we do as a coach. We really hold the space beyond this one session, but what is that overarching coaching engagement looking like? And what is the theme that's running through that? And we also can use our summary to highlight importance. How is the client expressing how important this is to them? How's it going to influence different things in their lives? Does it go beyond this particular situation? into a bigger scheme, a bigger, you know, does it affect both work and home life? Many different, how can we use our summary to potentially highlight importance for the client? And as we highlight importance, ambivalence decreases. 
so many things that I would love to just kind of continue to talk to you about today. I actually really enjoy instructing and know that I got sort of nerdy about all of that. Just want you to know that this element of motivational interviewing is a great tool for your toolbox. Ambivalence is part of human nature. And very truthfully, it ebbs and flows. Even if you've got a client who's rocking and rolling and working on something, they could conceivably kind of hit a block and go back to being ambivalent about things. Understand that that's just a part of us being human. It's not a reflection on your ability as a coach. It's not that your client's trying to be difficult. It's just part of human nature. And when we can understand that ambivalence is just part of life, then we can let go of any angst or push and pull we might have about it and just roll with it. Just roll with it. When we hear ambivalence, I just encourage you to to recognize it and get curious about it. So what's happening for the client? What is that push and pull that they're having? They want to, but what are the two sides of that ambivalence? And really sit in that space with the client because when you use ORs to help the client explore, they will be much closer to creating a path forward for themselves. Know that reflective listening tends to deepen conversations and it is a skill that needs to be practiced. It is not just intuitive or, I mean, it might be intuitive for some of you, but it's one of those skills that really needs the muscle to be built in. So give yourself an opportunity to learn and grow in your reflective listening skill. And when we think about ambivalence, I just encourage you to resist the urge to tell or direct or emphasize what you think the client needs to do, because that might very likely create that need for independence within our clients, their need for autonomy. So what do they do? They kind of push back. That's another part of human nature. So we want to emphasize client choice, emphasize that Ultimately, remember the very first element in embodies a coaching mindset is that we understand that our clients are fully responsible for making their own choices. So I hope that this conversation about ambivalence has been helpful. It's obviously something that I really enjoy. I'm happy to have further conversations with you about the concept of meeting our clients where they are and and challenging them to step into where they want to be. Next week, I'm welcoming Brian Bogart to the show. He's going to talk to us about developing a plan for our financial freedom. What does that look like? What do we tend to overlook as entrepreneurs? And how do we step into financial freedom? So this is Meg Rentschler. I am so grateful that you were here with me today. I would love to hear what you're taking away from today's show, how you're going to apply it. Wherever you listen to the show, please consider leaving a rate and review. That increases people finding the show. And as we are rapidly approaching episode 300, I would love for more and more people to find the show and to subscribe. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.